Thank you so much for tuning to another episode of the Financial Creo, aka TFG. We're here. We love to share our stories, our perspective on money building, gaining a better perspective on community building, but also bringing on guests along the way so we can share their stories as well. I'm one of three of the co-hosts, Atlanta Elson. And today I have Lawrence, who just burst with so much energy today. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> But yeah, it's going to be a great episode um, because we have an amazing guest that I'm very eager to share his story with you all. And I know you guys are going to love it. But before we jump into that, Lawrence, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing. I think this has been a, a blast of a day, a great semester or not even a semi-annual season where the stock market is doing fairly well. We're going to the bull market. People are really turning around into confidence. And I love to have um, guests on here, especially because they're going to share their stories about how they've made it out of uh, making a way out of no way, those ideas. So if anybody doesn't know me, my name is Lawrence Delva Gonzalez. I am the neighborhood uh, finance guy. Who actually reps the you know the neighborhood Spider Man? That's where I actually got my name from. I really love bringing the same type of content and energy and spirit into what we do because we want to help the the little man, everybody on the streets, figuring out how to to understand their um, current banking situation, investment situation, tax situation, or even wealth building is what we do, and that's why I love to have uh, Jonathan on here, and he's gonna you know break it down. But I did watch a whole lot of your videos, <laughs> the contents on on IG where you we um, do our research. Hey, we do it. We <laughs> gotta do what we do, and it's it's it's. I always love the juxtaposing like one ideal versus the other, and I do appreciate the way he respectfully you know somehow manages to correct or even add a little bit more to the to the conversation when it comes to a topic especially as a lot of financial literacy has come on social media so without further ado i'll pass it back to you atlanta because that's how it goes see i'm being positive I'm i being know i was gonna say Woo-sa. okay I, I that, held, was good, that was a good that was a good pause yeah that was a good pause i like I it <laughs> I'm like, okay, we we're gonna do this very. As soon as he said IG, I'm like, oh lord, (laughs) pull it together, pull it together. Yeah, we have Mr. Jonathan Thomas on with us. He is actually part. Well, I know you through FinCon. We all know you through uh, FinCon and being some of these uh, financial literacy spaces, especially Black content creators. Um, But um, yeah, share your story. Like, who are you? What where are you representing? and, And why have you become so transparent? when it comes to money conversations. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys for uh, allowing me to come share this space with you. It's so much fun to um, talk about money. Uh, so yeah, I, I come from St. Louis, but I uh, start off in, or I'm sorry, I live in Charlotte now. Uh, I start off in banking. Uh, and like I share with most people, I mean, I got a realization after grad <laughs> after graduating with my bachelor's, but I was in my uh, beginning my master's program. Uh, and I was looking for a job, obviously, in my career field. And the young lady I was dating, um, she worked for Wells Fargo at the time. She had already graduated. I didn't know at the time, but she had graduated with her MBA debt free. Um, but we were talking. I had an issue where I needed some tires. And so she was we're dating. And she was like, so what are you going to do? And in my head, I'm like, well, I'm about to ask my mom, you know, because I don't have the money. She was like, well, don't you have the money in your savings account? So that was a question or uh, in today's context for her it would be a red flag number one then uh number two uh i said no and she was like well um just put it on your credit card didn't have one of those um so he was like okay so 
what are you typically doing? I was like, well, I'm going to get it from my mom. The end result of that particular conversation, uh, he actually helped me with uh, with the tires because that was a little under underlying issue with it. Uh, I, that's why I brought it up. But she also helped me um, steer helped steer me into the way of taking my talents to banking um, because I wasn't having much luck in the job search. Uh, and I started off at Bank of America. And the first thing I did was I was thinking about the savings and credit conversation she was having. So I spent the first 30 days just talking to high financial advisors, low financial advisors, small business people, mortgage people to really understand all pretty much the whole banking system. I did that for my job, but I also did that for myself. Uh, and so through that, I learned how to really help work with people in the bank to essentially help them qualify for more products and services, but build up their uh, savings in the process. And then from that, um, 30, 60 days, I got really good at teaching my um, peers. So I rose to leadership very, very quickly because I could turn a branch around the profitable. I could get people, um, get more products and services that they needed. Um, but it was really more the impact of that information to the consumer that really changed everything. And so taking that leadership uh, over 13 branches in Bank of America, to Wells Fargo, when I transferred to Charlotte um, for a little bit. And then I landed in a credit union in 2016 after I graduated my MBA. And that's where I kind of learned that community aspect of the service. And so with that, I was really, really empowered to understand, especially because I I was now leading and understanding the underwriting aspect of things um, to for credit cards, car loans. It's just how this thing works. And I'm like, well, we're missing it um, because so many times I have people just on regular people on the street that are, I mean, unbanked. They're they're not understanding fully what their options are, no matter how bad their situation is. Like there is a banking solution um, that can help you that will be less than if you went to some um, payday loan lender or anything of that nature. So um, that's really what helped me start and motivated me because I was posting things online and friends at home were saying, yeah, I see your tips. I'm like, yeah, you're not engaging. You're not commenting. You're not liking or anything. Uh, but the Facebook group born out of that. And then from that, it was just a way for me to touch people a little bit closer uh, to now it's really um, grown with me uh, as I've been licensed to do mortgages, understand the underwrite. Only thing I, I haven't touched in leadership is I haven't led financial advisors because I don't have my series uh, and small business, but I still understand the products and services in that. But the whole purpose is um, what I've realized, especially as I've grown my wealth, is people really don't know um, what options are available to them. They think they have no options. Uh, and then the second piece is you might listen to a podcast like this one who says, hey, do this and save a thousand dollars in a week or um, do this and you can get your car uh, free or what have you. But the problem is after they get through listening to the con uh, the podcast, there's a decision that has to be made the next day at their home that just throws that whole plan out of whack. And they don't understand the multitude of decisions that take that it takes to get to these things. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many things to unpack <laughs> in there, but I would say is, um, first, first thing is I have a similar story about 
car breaking, well, not car breaking down, like the tire issue. And I remember hearing on, I don't know if it was the Steve Harvey or the Tom Jonah morning show. show. I don't know if people know those, show, but anyways, uh, listening about you know, saving and forgetting. Like, you know, I wasn't making that much. I was in college and I used to put $25, right? Into my savings. And, you know, half of the time you're not thinking about is automation, right? So when my tire broke down, like, and I realized my saving account, I had a hundred bucks. I'm like, okay, I see, I see what's going on. So that kind of like prompt me to kind of remember, like, you know, just save, save, save. So you, you never know the unexpected things that happen. So you also mentioned that um, in this you know, relationship that you had in college, this person brought to your attention about, hey, do you have a savings? Do you have a credit card? Like what are what are the um, options that you do have? And, you, and it start to, I guess, realize to you like, hey, I don't have much options. It's very limited options that I do have. And I always, we do talk about this a lot on this podcast, even amongst my friends, what you don't know is really what you don't know. And it costs you, you know what I mean? And I think sometimes too, where we're putting ourselves in these positions of not knowing <laughs> or not being exposed to these information and resources, we kind of like draw back and retract and, and make really uh, erratic decisions and things that we um, may not be accustomed to, to uh, making. But that is, that's, that's really good and amazing too, that you, you have someone in your circle in your life to kind of expose you to that and get into the banking um, and finance. Did you start off at Wells Fargo, like just a, um, a bank rep? So yeah, um, at Bank of America, I started off as a personal banker and went through their uh, assistant, basically assistant manager program. And then this with the shifted um, how the bank was moving and uh, just natural economy of things, I ended up branch manager and rose up to uh, consumer market manager very quickly just because my branch performed. Um, but yeah, that, like that was that was a for me a game changer because, uh, like I said, St. Louis it's it's the show me state, so. Being able to, um, like I said, financial advisors, because they have different levels based off how much net, how much money the person had. So being able to see, number one, that these people actually had that money was a game changer for me. And then second, I could actually see, okay, this is what they were actually putting their money in as far as stocks and investment. And it lines up with a lot of the books and a lot of podcasts. And I realized for me, that's, privy because I worked in the bank. Every Everybody walking around the street doesn't have that privilege to see that information. So how do I translate that to you know, the average person walking down the street? And I realized it's, it's extremely difficult um, because I was um, my approach was always, hey, you can be a millionaire because I see it. And I, I believe that. But for somebody who like, is living paycheck to paycheck, who um, they're getting it out the mud every day and they're trying to make it. They're making 40, 50,000. The big win for me, like your point, is when I was able to first save that first thousand dollars. Because when I first saved a thousand dollars, that's when my mind was like, Well, if I got a thousand, can I get to five? And then when I got to five, I'm like, Oh, can I get to 10? Because 10 was just mind blowing. I'm like, Who has ten thousand dollars cash? And so once I got there, then it was, I realized, oh, this is the actual process. And that's kind of what I was sharing with um, Lauren. I'm like, 
the millionaire thing, it was like eh, in hindsight, but it wasn't until I my investment started to grow, the things I started to get to where I started to accumulate, like, oh, it's really not that hard to get to a million. But it's the process that you have to grow through like in maturity because you don't know what it's like to have a thousand dollars. You don't know what it's like to get a five hundred dollar bill and like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? So it is a big deal for somebody who don't have it. Like I was that guy. Oh, so and, that's and the it, that's the thing. And it's funny enough, uh, too, because you both you worked at both Bank of America and Wells Fargo. And as you know, there's a lot of um, mishaps and experiences. Uh, people of color, just a, a lot of people in the black community have experience with both institutions, bank institutions. What is your perspective on that working with both uh banking institutions because a lot of black people are scared <laughs> of these institutions we had someone in the past um we were talking about bank of america uh was it bank of america it was one of these banks yeah, it, was, it was bank of america it was bank like of america housing yeah. yeah a housing thing and um I, I got a, I kind of gave my two cents in it because I have a Bank of America loan and they gave me uh, actual grants because I was a first time homeowner. And coming into the situation, my um, loan officer, um, who was very open with me, told me all the information that I needed. I was very reluctant because of all the things I heard of Bank of America being sued and all these like overdrive fees and all these constant things, you know, they're. Social network right now is not looking that great, right? But I do understand that you you can't always go into these situations as a victim, right? Where you have to kind of leverage yourself and kind of see like what is the best uh, opportunity for me to kind of leverage myself and put myself in a better position. Um, so what what it has been your um, experience with that when when you're saying that you work for Bank of America or Wells and Fargo because the perception right now in the black community with both bank institutions is not great. Right. And so, I mean, to add another one, uh, so Bank of America, West Fargo, and then uh, most recently uh, USAA. Uh, so, uh, and the credit union. So, we all, I mean, anybody who knows USAA is a, like, they're a great company, but I mean, you know the demographic that's there. Um, but Bank of America, I, I use that a lot just because I grew up with Bank of America. I, my mom, that was my first bank account. Uh, but the thing about Bank of America is, like I tell anybody very boldly, I would not, I lost an account with them. I lost a credit card with them and I would not have gotten that account back had I not went back to work with them. So, or went to work with them uh, to begin with. My manager overrode that whole thing to get me a bank account with them. So I was not even in there. Uh, I worked there and I produced for them, but technically I couldn't get an account there. So uh, <laughs> until obviously my boss, but the, Thing that I think people miss with these institutions is you have to use the institution. Every bank, financial institution is good for a particular section of finances. So, and for a particular person. So, if you're making sixty, seventy thousand dollars or average income, whatever the average income in America at whatever time is, you got your direct deposit, you're fairly stable in your job. Work, having your checking account in a bank is not you know, going to be terrible for you. And they give you a lot of um, additional resources to assist. But when I tell people get a loan from them or um, even have your investments with them, no, because 
they're not going to, from an alone standpoint, they're not going to give you the best terms. And from an investment standpoint, working there at Bank of America, um, they were going through the uh, country countrywide scandal uh, where they took on all these uh, bad mortgages. And so the one thing that has been proven is the banks, they end up doing well. So like Bank of America right now is number two as far as financial institutions, and they've grown to that. But your situation has to dictate whether or not they're going to be a good bank for you in terms of a mortgage. I can tell you right now, in terms of a credit card, in terms of a personal loan, that's probably the average person. That's not going to be your best bet. Your best bet is probably to go to a credit union. But in terms of a mortgage, you can probably have some negotiability there. Um, but I'm always going to probably tell somebody to be like, hey, what I would tell you to do is go to a smaller lender, something that's on a Costco platform or a Zillow platform. They're going to help you with your buying. If you're not in a program, if you're just out there about to buy, um, you you go through that platform, you're going to get low fees, you're going to get the best rate. And eventually, if you, if you truly, truly just want your mortgage at a bank, well, guess what? That smaller mortgage company they're doing the deal for you up front but likely in about six months after that it'll be bought by a big bank and that's who you'll you'll be with but as far as it, are they stable yeah they're stable in this time look where everybody's trying to put their money in the stable institution the large institution if you have the money if you have the resources so they're not bad because i have i use wells for my bills bank of america bank of america i'm one of their premier clients now, which is weird because I'm also the same guy that y'all didn't want to give a credit card to, y'all didn't want to give a checking account to, and y'all offered me all this stuff. But when I go for my investments, I'm at a Fidelity, a Charles Schwab, Vanguard, because they know how to really take care of you at any level. And I'm talking about take care of not just in your fees, but hey, your situation is changing. You need to think about some of these pla tax planning tips. We need to get you with this resource to begin before something happens. Bank of America, you're not going to be able to access the full stock market like you would like. And that makes things difficult when you're trying to do different things with your investment. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there and say as well, like I'm also a person that has Bank of America, but I also bank with Navy Federal Credit Union. And it's just a combination. The reason I use Bank of America, because I, I think somebody dropped the quote that it's on every corner, like, <laughs> like at any corner at any given time. It was a really, I guess, in poor taste now, you know, social media won't be it's too happy with it. But it's on every corner and on every block. So anytime I go to any city, I always have a Bank of America. So therefore, I'm not withdrawing from like to incur that fee. So there is an opportunity there. I think people just need to start looking at banks as not just convenience, but also what can you do for me in that scenario? You got to shop around. So for example, I do have Bank of America just for like regular checking here and there. Just pop up. They don't give me any fees. And then I wonder premier clients, whatever that is, gold tier, something like that. <laughs> I don't know what, what I'm getting. You get an extra five cents five yeah, five, cent on that yeah, account. You know, yeah, you know, that that bank savings account is zero point zero one percent, but I'm a gold tier member out here. So, but at the same time, I have my my mortgage with Navy Fed because I felt like they gave me a decent deal, and I also um, have investments in Fidelity or M1, so on and so forth. So you don't have to kind of stick with just one thing. You could shop around, 
And I think I do want to go back and peel back the idea of um, the unbanked statement that you brought up earlier. I know a lot of people are don't know what that means. And I think it's very important, especially when payday loans are charging upwards to 780% on their interest. It's really bad. So I don't know if you do you know all the details about the unbanked or go ahead. So uh, with the unbanked population, it's and you'll, you'll definitely have to check me on it, but it's probably somewhere around seven million um, people are unbanked or uh, or underbanked. But unbanked basically means when they when a person gets their check, they're going to a Walmart, they're going to a convenience store, um, they're not participating at all in any product or service in what we call our banking system. So they don't have a checking account anywhere. They don't have a savings account. Um, even even if they're Car, even if they're carrying what was the uh the thing on bt uh the rush card rush card <laughs> rush card out here. you know what i mean those are i unbanked. had one so stop okay you, you, had, a, college, you, had, you had a rush you had a rush card it was purple <laughs> no i had a regular bank and i had a, a rush card it was it was nice shut up it, it, yeah. it was purple it was just because it was purple we got problems okay. but let's, let's keep going <laughs> um yeah so uh the 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 thing about that is, if with the assets I have, if I was unbanked, yeah, it's it's going to cost you because we are. It's going to cost you a lot. But the thing is, you're talking about a person upwards of if their check is six hundred dollars, they may be paying ten percent, close to ten percent, eight to ten percent. Let's cash their check every every time they get paid. So automatically, you're starting off in a deficit. Then somebody who has their check going to a bank. And that's the reason why I said you could simply just went to a credit union. You could have somebody neighbor. You don't travel a lot. You can access your money. Is Do they have every single up-to-date feature? They're getting better. They have most. It's not as bad as it was. But when you're talking about your ability to participate, your ability, if I have a check that comes in, I can get a little bit better access the longer i bank oh you can even them. scan that you can scan the checks on your phone yeah so they, they have there. some of the same features it's just not um like from an online banking like bank of america's online platform is the best in the nation so a credit union it's as good but i would say a bank of america because a i would say a credit union typical credit union is probably like a b minus it's not that much of a difference because truth be told you're probably not even going to use all the tools that's in there um, so the thing about being unbanked is to your point, more what I think is education, because if I run into all them people and they, they come in or they only come in a bank or they only come in a credit union cause they like, Oh, your name was on the check. I'm a cashier here. They don't realize, Oh, I can have an account here, at least at a credit union. And I don't have to go through all these problems as often I can mobile deposit my check. I can do it. I have to learn how to do things appropriately so I don't uh, like I have to learn the responsibility of a check. But a credit union for somebody that doesn't know anything, you even may make some hiccups in the forms of uh, overdraft fees or you might bring a bad check or something of that nature. And they'll do their they best to mitigate, but you don't lose everything just off that first instant. It, it really takes a trend for them to be like, nah, we're going to kick you back because they're whole mission again is to help you and to your earlier point the problem i mean a higher level way of seeing this is anytime you're dealing with money with anybody this is a financial relationship and any financial relationship 
is a give and take. So if I'm just giving you a check, but to the average person, you won't give me a credit card. You won't help me finance my home. I'm in a jam. I can't get a personal loan. Um, I'm starting a business. You won't give me a business account. Well, how good is how beneficial is that relationship to you? They're getting a the benefit of your money every month, but you're not able to use things that can help you move your life forward. That's what you have to approach every situation with. But yeah, the uh, unbanked and um, underbanked, there's typically the lower income neighborhoods. They're typically the neighborhoods that have a lot of payday lenders on the corner, have a lot of, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, car title places, those type of, that area is typically usually unbanked. <laughs> I, I just want to add too, because um, when we're talking about unbankable people, I just want to put it more simple as term more low income. So when you think about this, when you're open up, when you're opening a bank account at one of these big um, institutions, you have to meet a certain income requirement, right? And most times they do require you to do direct deposits. So it can waive the fee of the checking account. Well, I'm sorry, the way the fee of um, having establishing that um, account that you have, you know, i.e. checking account, saving account that you have. So they'll waive that. If you're in the lower tier of that income bracket, right, you don't meet <laughs> that requirement to even have a bank with them because the majority of money is like is being taken out because of fees. Right. So you can't establish that. Another part of that living here in Florida is is a lot of immigrants. Right. If you don't have a social security number, you can't have a bank. You can't open a bank account. So many people here, a lot of immigrants here, they save their money, you know, with a friend or on the mattress per se, that whole notion with that. Um, but they're very um, susceptible when it comes to robbery because a lot of people here knows they carry cash a lot, right? Um, and they don't have a place like the Navy Federal Credit Union because they don't have a social security number or the documentation to prove their residence or they have a work permit because it's illegal. So there's like different components of being unbankable, but it's very uh, prone and is very um, predatory when it comes and you become vulnerable when you're in these situations where you don't have a bank, um, you're unable to go to these places to put your money um um, your cash, you're making, you're making money, you're making income legitimately, but you don't have a place. Now you're more susceptible when you are being robbed or something is happening. And then if you're illegal, many illegals here in Florida, they don't even report <laughs> these things that happen to them because they're illegal, because they're afraid of getting deported. So there, there are many nuances to this of being unbankable. And I think it's, it's, it's far exceeds money when you think about it, but it's one of the things that we have to kind of consider if you are, a, you know, a, a U.S. citizen or a resident here, you have to kind of create these um, spaces and opportunity for yourself so you do not become susceptible to these. So that was a great point that you made. Yeah, I mean, it, I remember seeing them and I mean, the cheat code for that one back in the day was they were signing people up for EIN numbers and putting them in um, business bank accounts. Yeah, and they, they yeah. didn't have it. The The long term effect of that is, of course, the tax code. So the business has to be taxed. And while they can get by, they can get by with the positive third painter or, you know, a lot of the laborer type work. 
um, they're putting their money in the account, they're putting it cash, and they have their debit card, and they can even get a credit card off the business. But the challenge comes when you want to get something large, when you want to get a car, when you want to get a home. And the problem with that is in your tax returns, at the end of the day, you're going to have to show a profit and that profit, and you're going to have to pay tax on that. And that's where, from an income perspective, your your business can't buy your house. <laughs> you have to buy your house. And so you're going to run into that um, scenario. So yeah, it it really is really dis, um, disheartening. Um, but it, it is something that, Again, a lot of people they just don't know. They they know as far as what's around the corner. Oh, uh, Rahim or whoever is running whatever store, they'll cash my check for me. But the credit union will do the same thing if you have a uh, social. It's a lot easier if you have a social if you have a valid address to at least get you going. You know what I mean? So those two things pertinent. You can you can go get a uh, credit union account, no fees. There, I haven't seen a credit union charge a fee for an account yet, um, but it's really more the fact that they can help you begin getting those beginning stages of, okay, this person been faithfully bringing in their money. They've been depositing, whether your paycheck is $25, um, like credit unions highly value any level of direct deposit you give them. Even if it's $5, they consider that like, oh, they're committed to us because they at least give us this in a direct deposit. We'll we'll give them a we'll start them off with a five hundred credit card, and then they'll tell you typically, okay, five hundred. We're gonna start you with five hundred now. Do that for six months, and then come back. Which most people won't do that. They have more standard procedures, and they want to see an aggressive thing. But they're doing it based off they're looking at your behavior, less your credit score, because they have the ability to make that decision around it. Yeah, that's amazing, especially uh, when people actually start accessing and actually have conversation with their bankers to know and figure out what's going on uh, for them. To your point, even at the end there, when that person used the EIL to get the business loan going, to get all that rolling, at the end of the day, it's going to undercut them because that's going to cut down on their social, social security in the end as well and their Medicare or Medicaid, which, whichever that one is that we pay for. But ultimately, it's a problem that you find all the way around that we're trying to skip over these things, but these things can actually help us. When you made that uh, comment about that $600 paycheck, because we all kind of been there, made a, you know, a certain amount of money, and we're just trying to see what we can do. I remember my aunt used to always, she recommend, she recommended that, that I go to the paycheck uh, cashing store because that's all she ever done. And something about it kind of like rang wrong. It was a little bit odd. And I was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. So that's what I actually ended up um I'm staying with Bank of America since the beginning because it just it didn't make sense that I was paying somebody to cash my own check on top of the check that I already had taxes taken out of it. It was just a whole lot of, you know, it was a whole lot of money going away for me for no reason at all. So I've learned very quickly that that um, that scheme, you know, was not going to work for me. You don't want your money now? Oh no! I didn't need. I didn't need it. Like the way she made it seem, like you need it now. Now, like you need to pay more. Money that's what they say. That's I'm what like, they say. You need I, it now. <laughs> yeah, I could wait. You're like, oh, why don't why don't you cash it tomorrow at the paycheck thing? And she encouraged my cousins to do that. So she, they fell into that rut of going to the paycheck cashing store. It became almost like a generational thing. Like she literally taught her her kids to do the same thing. So you you end up losing a lot of money. Just that example that you brought out, that $600 at 10%, which is true, that fee of $60 per paycheck, 
could end up being over $1,500 in a year, right? And I'm just doing some weird math because I'm a nerd like that. I love to do that. I, even if you're invested $100 for 40 years at 8% in historical average in an index ETF, just not doing anything at all, nothing too complex, you'd have, you'd have over $300,000, which is extremely significant. That's all fees. You're basically paying for somebody else to have, you know, wealth instead of yourself. So you want to consider that and really reaching out to people like Jonathan because he has the experience of being a banker and he could probably tell you from the inside out, like, it's not that bad. Especially out, you never told us how did you actually get booted out of Big America to begin with? Um, college, like, oh, tell I, us the truth, like, like overdraft truth. fees, or what was it? Oh, oh, pay. I had a bad credit card with them. That was the yeah, I had the bad credit card. But what did they do? You know, they come to I went to a uh, I went to SIU to start, and then they they have the tables, welcome week. I signed up, he was like, I didn't realize, pizza. like. When I think about it now, I didn't even realize he gave me a credit card. It's just two cards came in the mail. And I was like, <laughs> you didn't and know what you signed they, up for. He was signing I, up. He was I like, did, I need this I shirt. I, I need this frisbee. <laughs> yeah. And then when I went into the bank, they were like, oh, this is your uh, debit card and this is your credit card. I was like, uh, like, for what? I was like, when did I sign up for that? When did that happen? Uh, obviously, back then in 2004, uh, things were a lot different from the credit card underwriting, which People got in trouble for that situation. But um, yeah, I ended up using it because I had tickets, a college student. I was thinking I knew how to do everything. Realized I reached a point, even with $500, that um, didn't have the money to pay it back. So, and I drew money uh, off it as cash. Like, I, I did Same. everything <laughs> wrong. And I mean, thank you for being open and honest because I was about that life too. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're all that about life. that life. Cash advance. Cash through everything around me. Like, man, look, I ain't got it. So I understand the, the mind, mindset of it um, and what what it took, but it was just, it was incredible. Me. And then I, I got blessed uh, with a girl I was dating. Uh, I took care of her kids that year, and so I claimed them for that year. Uh, and I, in what was it, 2007, 2008, or 2006, 2007, regardless, I got like seven grand back. So I paid off everything on my credit report uh, and started this course correcting. And to be honest, that move, when I talked to the girlfriend that suggested get a credit card, get me in the banking, who's my now wife. Um, I was in position to, I was getting offered for $500 limit from Capital One. I just wasn't answering because I had paid my stuff off. So I was in a spot with the income to actually make movement. But like most, I'm like, I made a hard decision where I was like, you know what? This seven grand, let me go ahead and pay upwards of two grand of everything off my credit report. I was like, at least I know I don't owe nobody. And I mean, I just paid everything. Um, but the thing that people don't know when going back to the banking conversation is again, what can the bank do for you is every bank can do something in terms of, I mean, you may lose a job. Stuff might get tight. Your options for when that happened and life gets tight and maybe you made a misstep are better at a credit union. So in the sense of, like I, I've seen over and over again where people might have their car loan at a credit union, they got a personal loan, they got a credit card, so they load it up with debt. And so 
something happens to the car or something emergency happens. They got a thousand dollars they got to pay. Well, obviously they don't have any savings. What do they do? They didn't walked in and they explain their situation. I pick up the phone. I'm talking to the financial coaching section of the credit union. They was like, oh, well, we could put her in our program that will take away those monthly payments for about three, four, six months. So our credit's not impacted. She can pay this thing and then she can actually start to get herself ahead. A bank's not going to do that for you. They may give you a little bit of interest back. They may, like my wife, she was able to get a hardship where um, they lowered her interest rate to like 3% on her Amex so she could pay it off in a year and they locked down the card. That was a great benefit for her. But to lock down all your loans to free up that cash so you can go take care of the emergency and then you can start back you're not going to get that from a bank. You just transparently, you're not. And that's where the community aspect, that's where the credit union, that's where they thrive. But no, that's, that's something you heard, hear about in the news. And you wouldn't even hear about it if you walked in because most of the people that sitting across that desk from you are living paycheck to paycheck. They don't even know what all their bank can do. Yeah, he's on mute now. So we back. I, 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 I would let y'all, uh, I wanted to pause and let y'all. Uh, no, it's all. <laughs> uh, hey, he wanted us to reflect at, at the time that his payment didn't come through for his uh, Xfinity. So everybody's Xfinity ain't paid up right it's now. Just, just piled up right now. Um, Jonathan, you do have a uh, Facebook group that you manage, uh, Money Talks. Can you speak a little bit about that? So um, part of that, just kind of knowing your options was I'm letting people know, yeah, I talk about a lot of, um, you know, all oh, the fair rate rates or the stock market did this, but I really more say, hey, this is what it means for you. This is the, this is the decision you need to be making right now. Uh, so uh, two years ago when we were at low interest rates or what have you, and we were starting to come out of it. The, the whole purpose was even if you're in fear, even if you're in fear about buying a home, but you qualify and you actually could take on the responsibility, this was your greatest opportunity to buy a home right now. <laughs> and people can talk about, oh, well, you got a whole lot of people that, you know what I mean, they they got a 2% rate and a Three, $400,000 home that's now $600,000. They were like, oh, couldn't buy this home now. Well, yeah, but you didn't buy then. You bought at a good investment opportunity. I don't want to hear that you couldn't buy your home now. You're right. I couldn't, but I didn't buy my home right now. I bought my home when I was prepared while the interest rate was low. And so, yeah, that's my that was my goal, and I'm able to benefit from it. But things like that, knowing what's going on in the car market, if you can hold out, or these are ways you can maneuver this. If you have to make this decision, do it this way. And so the biggest thing that um, I try to use the group for is understanding that, again, you might hear a video, you might watch a video of, oh, man, you could buy a car or, oh, I'm upside down. I'm just screwed. Well, you're not just screwed if you if you need a car or you're in a bad situation. There are options. They may not be the options because of what your situation dictates. So you may not have the options like me where I can just go get the car I want and I just choose not to get the car. You may have an option of whatever car you have, 
you might take what you view as a lesser than car. So if you was in an SUV, you might I might be saying, hey, you want to get out of this debt. You want to get out from under this. Um, this. Uh, oh, man, I can't think of the term. Blanket, basically, blanket, owe yeah. more than the car yeah. is worth. Underwater, um, underwater. Yeah, is, uh, yeah. Get out from underwater. Thank you. Um, there are options. Yeah, you could sell the car, get a personal loan. You could um, try to refinance. You could try to trade it in and get something else. But you also can look at the market and be like, okay, what are they actually really pushing right now? And I'm not one that I'm just haphazardly giving things, but I'm saying you could, for a season, for a couple of years, you could at least, it may not be mathematically the best situation for me because I have the money to pay for it. I'm like, I'll be wasting money. When you're underwater on a car, they take that car, You, if you can fit the terms of the lease, like don't get nothing where it's, ostentatious where you're like oh man i i can't deal with this mileage or anything but you don't have no money you move from a truck you go to a more dependable car to allow yourself time and i'm saying a dependable car because now you can get into that 350 400 range of a note pay that save extra for the next couple of years and then when you get ready or when the lease is up turn the car back in you're underwater it's paid off you didn't pay it you might have paid a portion somewhere in there, but now you're in, you basically reset your situation like, okay, now what car can I get that fits my budget that's not more than 50% of my income? What, what can I buy? And just, and think of that car like, okay, let me buy something that after I pay this thing off, if I need to get a note, I can keep for another five, six years to really open up my opportunity with my money. And then, Go then get a different car after you've done the work of getting yourself set. But those are the type of things in the in the group. <laughs> How long have you been uh, managing the group? Uh since 2017. Um, so yeah, it's about 1500 on there. Uh what is it, about 1600 on YouTube's 13, almost 1400 on TikTok. Um, but the, the group is, um, definitely my, my just passion because people do share things. They share what they, what they're finding, what, what their experience is, but that's hard because I know people, oftentimes you're like, you just feel embarrassed. You feel like everybody's got on together, but I'm like, dude, as great as the economy is and as great as our world is only 92%, uh, or only 8% of the 326 million people that would live in the U S are millionaires. That's up. From the 80s, from four, 500,000 to 22 million, but 92% of people are not millionaires. They may be doing well, but they ain't got money like you think they do. And that's the, that's the problem. You're thinking people are doing better and they not being fully transparent. And so you're making decisions and all these decisions that you have, they require more decisions within them. You know what I mean? They, if you're buying a home, it's not just, do I have the down payment? And um, can I get the closing cost? Well, you got to live there. And then second, can you take care of the maintenance that have it? Otherwise, you're going to lose on your investment. 
Yeah, I think for, uh, for bringing that up, because I think part of what you're doing with the Facebook group is probably the most uh, impactful because people need that space where you could actually have a community of people they could talk and share with. And you're right. A lot of people don't want to do it. They don't. They're too afraid to even mention that, hey, um, I'm struggling with my payments or I have this payment or I even have student loans. I have friends that never talk about student loans. It makes me know that they have student loans. <laughs> You're like, you, I know you have it. You know, I know you because you try to avoid it all the time. Like you never bring it up, like unless you're not paying it. That's for sure. And that's also something you don't want to bring up. So there's always this like um, these uh, layers that we need to peel back from each other and just allow us to really have the space to say, you know what? We don't got it together. We have, you know, the credit card debt. We have the the home debt. We have the the car payment and we're working it through. And I commend you for having that kind of space and holding it down for it since 2017, before personal finance became entrepreneurship on social media. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and when it was actually about the people, about helping people, about like really pushing people to the next level and understanding where they're coming from. And I do hope that the more and more people kind of like watch you, because a, a lot of times too, they're waiting until, you know, until you stop doing it. It was like, ha see, I don't have to explain myself anymore. But the more and more, they, they're probably going to get to that point where they're like, you know what, time for me to share that, hey, I'm struggling with this, that, and the third. I had a best, uh, one of my best friends way back in middle school hit me up recently. Like we haven't talked in years. Not like, I don't, like me and people from the way back, we, we kind of know each other at that level. Like you don't have to talk every day. But he is years later, he's like, yo, man, I'm struggling with my money. I'm like, you never said anything for years, brother. You could have told me and I could have helped you out. I even guided you throughout this entire process. But you were, you know, because everybody was so kind of afraid of looking at their own dollars that it became this thing that we just, this boogeyman that we don't talk about. People don't even really look at their own, um, I guess, bank uh, bank statements or their checking and savings. They don't even look at that. They're like, mm, I don't want to mess up my day. I don't want to ruin my vibe. <laughs> not my vibe. Not today. No, I mean, you're right. Like, my goal for that whole thing was um, I had a mom, like, truth be told, I found out probably a couple of years ago as I've been uh, learning about my mom in her 30s and learning the decisions. How Because I'm at that stage in life. Like, how did you manage with kids? How did you manage? Life wasn't hard to you. And I'm like, you didn't even have as much money as I got. So she's like, eh. you know what I mean? The marriage and all these different things. But the big thing that really stood out to me with my mom that I figured out was she got a lot of bad advice from people she trusted that was in the business. And I'm, if anybody, I'm not a person that usually gets upset uh, or gets mad, but I'm like, my mom lost her house. There's a person who her mom, the first house we lived in, gave her a house that was paid for. Somewhere in the mix, we got, she got a mortgage on that house. We sold that one and then we moved to a bigger house, which is normal. But my mom listening to other people refinance the house we were in three times, 30 years. For what? You know what I mean? And I'm sitting there looking at the people that gave you this advice. My only question to them is, I know how much you possibly could have made off that refinance. Was it worth it for my mom? This is somebody you go to church with, close friend. I mean, you have to cook out with everything. Was it worth it for her to lose her house? And you're not even doing that well in life. You know, so that's the part that I'm like, yeah, you're right. Is it tiring sometimes to come up with the post and keep them engaged and all that? But if somebody doesn't have anybody that they like, man, I know this is right. You know what I mean? I know this is truthful. Like when COVID brought down the interest rates and all that, all my close friends that had houses, I'm and I was doing mortgages at the time. 
I'm going through, going hard on them. I'm like, dude, you're never going to get a 2.5. Like you're at a six. Like, why is this? Why, why am I having to be on the phone with you for an hour and a half? Why am I having the entire hour and a half? You're like, you're like, yeah, all time, man. man <laughs> the easy is six to two. I, you, know? you, you try to make matters work. I'm like, dog, you're never going to get an opportunity to make your point. The biggest line item on your budget less and really move the needle to actually owning the home when you can remember it. You know what I mean? Hey, man, they were looking at you like you, Baker, you work for Baker America. <laughs> so they thought it back in their mind. At that like, time, I was, third, I was working yeah, for a mortgage like, third, third eye, man. He <laughs> worked for Baker America. Watch him. But was, like, when, when have we ever had 2%, 2.5? Like, you got people, I'm like, and you had a house. And I'm like, you were trying to look for that extra thing. So um, I realized, I'm like, that's something you thought of. But I'm like, dude. We're not talking about a couple hundred bucks. We're talking about seven to eight to 10 years off your mortgage. We're talking about at the same time, close to seven to a uh, thousand, anywhere on average from seven to a thousand dollars a month you're saving for what? <laughs> All because you didn't, you know what I'm saying? You didn't want to do it. And I'm pulling teeth. Like I had a kid doing this time. I was in the hospital with my kid trying to talk people into. Dude, find, refinance your house. Now, when they call me, they're like, man, that was the best decision. I'm like, yeah, but you didn't want you, to You do made it hard for me. You made it, <laughs> like, you made it, you made it hard. And I'm like, you give me I'll stress. Oh, I like, I'm like, I don't even care if you do it with me. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah, trying I'll to make sure. I'll be salty, man. I'll be salty because they don't even like it's. I like when people are doing well. Like, you, you give them good advice. They end up taking it and they do well. But they don't even just like just go on my page and say, "Hey, man, thanks for helping me." Just say that, like, just 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 tell somebody that I actually did, you know, I actually did you a favor in life. Like, like it, it makes like, it hard. It's, like, it's leave real. a leave a review. I don't know, man. It's a little, it's a little much. <laughs> like, I'm like, dude, you don't understand. Like, you're gonna you're planning on working, so now most of them, they're you're talking about you're forty. By the time you're 51, 52, when mo the average millionaire crosses that threshold, your house will be paid for. You're not even 60 yet. You're not even reaching the peak earning years. But even without that, your kid's going to college. You, If you didn't save for college, guess what? Now you don't have a mortgage payment. You have a little bit ability to help them. They, that, that may or may not be the decision, but you have another option to help them get ahead. But the whole point is, like it was put, it was really pulling teeth. I'm like, you get you get an opportunity to save on your your mortgage. Like, but my wife was the same way when I when I was working at the credit union. They the rates first fell in 2019. The credit union sent a mass organization announcement like, hey, you know, you get an extra full percent off whatever rate we lock you in. I'm like, well, no, I didn't know that. They was like, yeah, and if you refinance, you don't have to pay anything because you're an employee. And so when I looked at what we had, she had actually bought her the house we were in as an FHA. So, you know, put the 3% down, whatever. So I looked at the math. I'm like, we'll save 200 bucks. We move it to a 15-year, and the rate is a 2.72. For me, it was a no-brainer. For her, it was, well, this was my first home. I, I bought it, you know what I mean? Now it's it's actually shit. I'm like, well, dear, we're married. Irrelevant. It was like, irrelevant. I had half, regardless. <laughs> You're like, it's like this is irrelevant. Like when the colors of the like, house were yellow, home. and and the backyard was green. You're like, 
going on? Man, that's how it is. But now when we look up, it that same home, it's rented. Is you know, it's making the same amount for our same our current mortgage. But the the bigger picture is, I have a two and a half year old. By the time she's twelve, the house is paid for. If we kept going on just, if we ain't do nothing different. But these are decisions that people don't even know. Again, the options of what's going on and how it creates opportunity for you and your situation. And that's where a lot of people, you get stuck. A lot of people don't know, like you were talking about, I think earlier, this is the best, one of the best times to invest in the stock market because they're coming out of recession or whether they want to dictate a recession or not, they're coming out of recession at times, and you're already starting to see the consistent growth of the bull market. But historically, whenever there's been a dip or downturn, the recession usually have its highest levels right after that, that, year, that next year to 18 months. This is the time to do that. <laughs> Even if you this is your first time investing, well, you can cover a lot of ground with the growth. <laughs> There's opportunity, options, and, and also taking action. I think that's the entirety of this conversation has been is like it's available for us to do things, to just get educated and get in position. Because a lot of people, too, what they do is like they wait until later for some miraculous thing to happen. But you have to be prepared. So this last 20 you know, well, since 2020 to 2023, we saw people that was like always behind on the eight ball, right? Behind on the idea of just, hey, deciding, do they refinance, do they not? Behind on, do they invest or do they not? People were making oodles of cash throughout from 2020 to 20 to the peak of like maybe late 2021. People made nearly like 140% off the market or something. Just a regular random investments. On top of that, there was a downturn of 20% and people was like, oh, I'm going to pull all my money back. Then, then for some reason at the beginning of this year, we we scored right back up again and damn, they're like 15%. Like it's instead of working backwards and, and following the news, start, start trying to work ahead of the curve and figure out what happens next, what comes next. So your point, people will be better off paying off their homes, especially as their kids go off in college. Why? Because your kids are going to come back around and say, hey, please, dad. Please give me, <laughs> give me money, give me money, give me, give me support. And you want to be in a position where you can help if you have that loose cash available to do so. If if you have that, but truth be told, that's a gift. Yeah, it <laughs> like, is. Yeah, like your your main, like my main goal is I didn't want to be a burden to my to my kid. I didn't want them to be like, oh, you you I didn't put you through school. You making sixty seventy five? That's more money than I ever made. Yeah, I need you to throw me a, a thousand, fifteen hundred. I'm like, well, I got to get my life going. No, I need you to step up. <laughs> like, I need yeah, you to step know, up while you're in college. Send me that five hundred dollars per month. Hey, I was paying for my mortgage while I was in undergrad. I'm like, dude, I gotta move out. Like, it's fiscally, you know, what I mean? beneficial for me to do that. And I don't, I don't begrudge my opportunity to do that. But it's all the things of you have to take care of yourself first. You have to take care of your family first. And I think you mentioned earlier, you were talking about the student loan. I get it. At 2016, I graduated with my, my master's, my MBA. I had 150, 120, 150 in student loan debt. I got 150 in student loan debt, but my net worth is 800. It is not all in real estate equity. It's probably 50-50. Money, cash, um, and real estate. But it's really the the thing of when I got out and I saw the six figures of student loan debt, I did say, how am I going to actually pay this 
have a have a wife that have a wife that wants a kid and all that. And the fact is, I the income based plan was important. You know what I mean? No, we don't have car loans. No, we don't have credit card debt. Yeah, we have mortgage loans. I and I have that. I'm what seven? Well, I got seventeen years left of the student loan thing. And depending on how things go, but investing, investing in an index fund and S and P five hundred. That's what I did in 2016 because I realized I believe after looking in the bank and talking to people, and I'm like, well, you always hear, hey. If you pay your mortgage and then invest, you'll make more. Well, if the math is really true, this should work out. <laughs> so I believe the math and I invested based off the math theory of, okay, if the thing is normal 10%, I should be up. Did I know I was going to have that same 150 in five years invested? No, but that changes my conversation about this student loan thing of, oh, I'll never get ahead of it to now it's a question of when do I want to pay it off? That Because I have the opportunity to pay it off and move on. It's just when. It changes everything. And my life can still move on. But those are things that people can do, especially right now with the fears of those payments starting. You need to be contacting your servicer. You need to be trying to figure out what your student loan payment is going to be. And you need to be including everybody that you fi provide financial support, your mother, your kid, your cousin, whoever you're providing financial support, that impacts what you have to pay. They're taking that into consideration when what you have to pay for your student loan. And then with Biden's extra benefit of it's no longer 10% of your disposable income that they're calculating, they're calculating 5%, that makes it a little bit more manageable. And then you can start to think about, okay, I got this payment in place, it's fixed, Right now, uh, they say if you had a plan before COVID, it's probably going to carry to 2024, but check your servicer if you're watching this. Um, do, do your due diligence on that part just to confirm. Um, but after that, now you can think, okay, if my payment is 125 and that's what I got to pay for a year, okay, cool. Now you can think about, okay, can I afford a home? Because now I can walk in and instead of the bank taking 5% of my total student loan balance, which is an exorbitant payment, they can take the payment that I actually have to pay and then I'll qualify. <laughs> and so, yeah, you can you can step your way into this stuff. Ooh, dropping all types of information. I'm not going to call good, it gems. Yeah. I'm not going to call it gems because uh, it's messed up. <laughs> it's a lot of information. I think we should respect it as information because it's, we have to get to the point where we encourage people to really sit with that uh, for a very long time and try to understand it as much as possible, because there are ways to really get ahead of your financial situation. If you take action, you reach out, you definitely need to contact you know people like Jonathan um, with his platform or even get get into that community and see other people like you who are also you know, dealing with their money issues. We all are. I am. Uh, Atlanta is lovely. Is We talk about it all the time. So it's not something you shy away from. It's something you get into and you sit with it for a long time because it's not going to be a shortcut to this. It's going to take time. So when Jonathan talked about the years, it takes years. But don't be afraid of the years. The years is going to come. They're going to melt away. Like we we went through half of 2023, half. Like I don't remember what happened the first part of 2023. It's going to blur away. But you want to be in a position where you can make better decisions for yourself and improve, um, I guess, daily monthly or even annually as you go through this process so at least that's all for me 
you know, everybody know me already, the neighborhood finance guy. If I'm not being toxic on Twitter, I'm also very friendly on online and other spaces. I do have a website that nobody reads, but it's cool. I'm not gonna hate on y'all when I get rich, though. So, you know, go check out his website. Petty, please petty. I mean, yeah, I'll mean, be petty. Please, y'all, check out the website. I mean, please. petty as hell. I, I, see, <laughs> I see the the uh, hundred views. I know I got a hundred views every month from a few people. I know who y'all are. Y'all, y'all somebody day. is reading it. A yeah, hundred somebody is reading it. They they once. Everybody else sucks. <laughs> well Jonathan thank you so much for um, being on our show it was a wealth found of knowledge and just information just your experience and your story sharing with us um, but before we wrap it up where can we uh, or anyone where can they find you yeah uh, like the neighborhood finance guy said you can uh, search money talks on Facebook that's a free Facebook group there's a um, paid community version uh, we go a little bit deeper but that's really you saying I'm really serious about making um, moves. I think it's about $15 a month or something like that. You can cancel at any time. That's not a big deal. Um, but also Solutions at outlook.com uh, email questions. Um, if you're trying to meet um, J Thomas Solutions on IG, on TikTok and Money Talks with Jonathan on um, YouTube. And if you haven't already, if you liked anything or found anything of value, please re leave a review. Please leave five star. Leave a positive review. Don't don't leave uh, <laughs> question. If you have questions like that, inbox them. And ask them. <laughs> don't, don't leave hate Thank messages. Don't leave hate messages. Please don't do it. We're, we're all petty on this podcast. <laughs> don't do it. Well, thank you again for coming on. Um, like you said, uh, make sure you check out his uh, Facebook group. Uh, which is Money Talks is a free community. And this is where it starts. If you're trying to find community, if you're trying to expand your community, then, you know, check out the Facebook group with Jonathan with Money Talks. This is a great opportunity to reach out to others, to just read information. I'm like one of those people I scroll, I look, I read. So it's, it's a good opportunity to do so. Once again, thank you, Jonathan. And I am Atlanta Elson. You can find me on YouTube streets as well as IG. Thanks for listening. TFG, we're out. Thank you for listening to the Financial Griot Podcast, powered by the Wealth Builders Collective.